1: This is on the mark, and this is the NBA playoffs, and I'm preparing to lose my mind today as uh, LeBron James is ruining my life, coming back now from two games to none to 2-2. Uh, and I honestly, I think, like, the series is over, to be honest, Jake hilarious. Like, I, I, I give Boston zero chance, and I know, like, last week, if you go back to the podcast, I love the Celtics. I really think they're going to do it, being up two games, zero. But, I don't know, Ty Lue's turning into a genius, and the Cavs now have an unfair advantage. Fishy like to uh, get... Uh, some people involved here. Adam Silver, NBA commissioner. The Cleveland Cavaliers have been flying in a dog by the name of Remington, who's a therapy dog. He was working with the North Carolina baseball team, and apparently, like, Kevin Love and Jared Smith see this animal, and they just, they, they just feel so good about themselves, they don't miss any shots. And uh, Brad Stevens apparently needs this therapy dog, too, because uh, we, need some, we need some game planning here, Jake Valerius, as they go into game five tonight. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I I, uh, I don't understand what's going on in Boston here. You have Tyron Lue, and this is what NBA teams do. They hunt for matchups. I get it. James Harden wants to find Steph Curry so he can go at him, and everybody's looking for advantages. So the, the, the Celtics and the Cavs. Boston is trying to somehow keep Terry Rogier on the court, but the Cavs have figured out, oh, well, if they're gonna play, if we can do a pick and roll with George Hill, then Rogier's gonna end up guarding LeBron James. And then he's just gonna back him down in the post. He's gonna fade away with him from him. No no hand in the face. And this is a huge problem. And I don't get it, Brad Stevens. Can I can I get a double team? Can I get
0: once they get that matchup, can I get
1: somebody running at LeBron to make him give up the basketball? Am I crazy?
0: No, you're not. I mean, obviously when the Cavs get that mismatch and they're going to get it at times there's only so much you can do to prevent the switch initially they need to be sort of more diligent in getting that help defense over and making sure that LeBron can't back him down all the way to the hoop but in in their defense a big part of what happened in that game was that Marcus Morris got into foul trouble early which through a big spanner in their entire plan and what they've done all series to stop LeBron. And, you know, the Celtics didn't respond that well. But what's interesting to me about this is we're sort of seeing, you know, all the praise Brad Stevens been getting these playoffs has focused on the fact that he's doing this with a really young, really inexperienced team, a right. team that on paper doesn't scream out these guys are going to the NBA finals and now we're seeing the flip side of that, where in a, in a difficult opposition arena to play in when they are facing a team, not just of LeBron, but of his supporting cast actually helping, um, how, how do they respond? And, you know, we're seeing when you put young inexperienced players under this sort of pressure cracks begin to appear. I mean, you, you look at that team, and yeah, Rozier, he was, he was targeted on defense. He didn't look great on that end, but A, he was one of the few guys making shots for them, especially in that first half. B, his across-the-board numbers on offense were, pr- were pretty good in that game. And, you know, finally, the bottom line is it doesn't matter who LeBron is up against, he's going to get his, you know. And other than Marcus Morris on that team – I look at a bunch of guys who he's just gonna gobble up. Well, so, okay, a couple things. Number one, I thought the
1: refereeing in game four, especially, was absolutely beyond atrocious. And they're not giving, they're not giving, look, Mark, if, if LeBron drives to the hole, and he gets a light bump, and they whistle a foul on Marcus Morris, you just render him completely unguardable. I mean, these were not, a lot of these were just very touch foul. And by the way, every time LeBron goes to the hole for whatever reason, he gets fouled in his mind. Every single time he's throwing up his arms. Can't believe I didn't get that call. Can't believe it. It's disgusting. But it it makes it very hard to guard him if they don't allow some level of physicality, which they really didn't in Game 4. So the refs have a huge impact. And by the way, they were terrible too. I see you shaking your head. They were terrible uh, on the other end too. It was, I thought it was an incredibly poorly officiated game. But the the the, the Celtics are not gonna win if it's called super tight. It's, it, it's to an extreme disadvantage for them. And you know, one particular call, Marcus Morris shoots a three-pointer, gets knocked down. And somehow they call him for an offensive foul because he kicked out his legs. I mean, it was maybe the most absurd foul I've ever seen.
0: Like, I mean, he kicked out his leg to initiate contact, win a foul, which the NBA has said specifically now yeah, is a foul. It, it was... So, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't care. I don't want to talk about refereeing decisions. I, it's just not interesting to me. Like, I don't care. It has a I, huge effect on the game, though. I think it balances out. Like, you talk about LeBron, you know, light contact. LeBron... You know, what? he complains, he whines like all players, sure. But in general, the way it works in the NBA is the bigger you are, the more contact there needs to be for there to be a foul. And LeBron is so big and so strong. He routinely is fouled and never gets calls because he just powers through them, whereas a smaller, you know, less powerful player is going to get thrown off balance by a slight bump or if they're on one leg about to jump up. And I, I mean... I watch these games I I don't really have strong feelings about the refereeing one way or another but LeBron is fouled all the time and never called for it. I mean that's what I see. Sometimes he isn't fouled and he gets calls. Sometimes he gets those superstar calls like all, you know, big name players do but on the whole to to isolate you know, a refereeing decision for being the reason that that game went the way it does when we've got Celtics, multiple Celtics, missing shots. When we've got Kyle Korver blocking Jalen Brown shots left, right, and center, like... All of that, and we're talking about some marginal calls on LeBron James. Like, come on.
1: There's there are um, there's a lot of factors in and the game. And you pick
0: the least interesting one.
1: Well, maybe it's in least interesting to you. I think the Celtics are talking. about I love it. basketball. Let's talk about referees. Come on. These are three guys that have a lot of impact on the game. They're talked about all the time. I to, I thought that game four it was it was a huge conversation amongst. The, Uh, TNT afterwards? Yeah, great,
0: because they're always on the button. Okay, all right. We're going to talk about Shaq filling up his tank uh, of gas. uh, I love those guys, but look, they don't always talk about the pertinent issues in a game. They're great television, but they're maybe not, you know, the most insightful analysts all the time
1: if the game is called i just want to make some clear and maybe you disagree if the game is called tight i think it's to extreme advantage for the Cavs. and and sometimes it's called tight and sometimes it's not game four was called tight that that benefits cleveland they have there's there's an impact on the game
0: lebron had fouls and he reined it in he had, I think, two fouls in the first quarter. He shut it down. He made sure he didn't get any more. Kevin Love, almost, he had to get benched because he was going to foul out. It affects both teams, and if you're a good player, you respond to it. You realize, hey, I got a foul here. Maybe this time I'm just not going to make that play at LeBron. Maybe this time I'm not going to stick out my arm as he goes past me. You need to, as a player, respond to that in a game. Well, how would you? You was- need to be smart enough to know, hey, I'm on two fouls, I'm the only guy on my team who is big enough, strong enough to bang with LeBron down low, you know, to be that guy for my team. I'm going to be smarter about what I do and how I defend him. Maybe it is a disadvantage, but it's a disadvantage that a good player learns to deal with. So he's ba- you,
1: you've picked up two ticky-tack fouls. He's banging you down into the post, right? What 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 is your strategy at that point? Let him go?
0: No, I mean, my strategy is maybe be a little more judicious about you know where i stick out an arm here or there i wasn't logging all of marcus morris's fouls and looking exactly how they came about right but I just, I mean, do do you do you know what they are? Can you list them to me? Can you tell me that all of them were crappy little minor baby calls on LeBron? I
1: can tell you that Marcus Morris said after the game that the the way they're calling it makes it impossible to guard. I can tell you that. I can tell you that on most drives. That to me, it's a little ticky. So, so
0: the player who fouled almost fouled out, who had to be benched because he was in foul trouble, He's got the most foul. told you that Didn't he was being me. called. Well, told the press conference, yeah. whatever that.
1: I mean he, I'm, I'm... he's
0: he's being officiated badly and therefore this is a sign every single player says I like you just said about LeBron he's whining after every play this is what players do I like I mean, whatever. I just think it's a non-issue. You, you, okay. Not uh, Marcus Morris fouling out, but the idea that we, you know, we're somehow pinning this on the referees.
1: I'm not. Listen, the the the, the Boston Celtics were horrendous in Game Four. Jalen Brown had a zillion. Okay, uh, here you go. These well, are some interesting okay, well, points.
0: <laughs> finally, it's only taking you ten I, minutes.
1: I I, I, I like <laughs> that you find it. I, there's a, there's a wide range of things going on. Boston was horrendous. Dunking the basketball is something that an NBA player should be able to do. The Boston Celtics were unable to dunk. To dunk the basketball at the karma on Twitter, that's me. I put out there how many dunks are they going to miss tonight? Will will they miss ten dunks? Seventy percent of my amazing respondents said that the Celtics were going to miss ten dunks because that's what it looked like they were going to do. I and and I also think that that is like to me that's like a weird LeBron factor where like if you're Boston and over time you're three and ten against LeBron in the playoffs and you know you're going up against the best guy in the world, somehow for some reason when you're flying through the air and you've got a wide-open dunk, somehow LeBron just crawls into your head and it becomes a more difficult dunk. I don't know how this happens, but I do actually believe it's because you're going against him that you're putting more pressure on yourself, trying to be perfect or whatever. You're that much more hyped, and you miss shots, miss dunks that you would never miss in any other situation, but you miss them when you know you're climbing uphill against LeBron. I I really think that's going on.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't put it so much in LeBron. I think just the – obviously LeBron – is central to everything about Cleveland. But again, like I said earlier, it's young players, really unexperienced in this level, in a hostile environment. And Cleveland started that game defending really well, just sort of with the energy and intensity that we don't typically associate with this team. And Boston were getting shut down. Cleveland were getting some good stops. And when that happens, your clean looks become even more significant and that's when the pressure sort of starts to build mentally one of the missed dunks jalen uh jalen brown not sorry not jalen brown jason tatum had one missed dunk that got i thought fouled. was a good con yeah there was one foul there was a good contest on by tristan thompson on one of those that i thought uh sort of limited jalen brown had a couple of just gimmies. i mean you can't miss those shots in he those missed, sorts of situations he missed
1: an easy layup i mean he and and part of the deal one give tyloo credit for the record he has started out, Jalen Brown started out incredibly well in games one and two. Well, game three and four, guess who's guarding? His name's LeBron James. And now now he's, you're staring into the eyes of the great.
0: I'm not just certainly, obviously, I, I don't want to take any away from Ty Lue, but the biggest difference for me just looking at the performances of the Cavs in the last two games at home has not been LeBron on offense. It's been LeBron's just defensive attention to detail. Uh, I haven't. I can't really remember the last time I've seen him this. Maybe last year's finals. This locked in on defense, where he's just like goes to old school LeBron, like, yeah, you're you're not getting by me, right?
1: And for the for the record on that, what I I I thought at the beginning of the series, this was how. The Cavs were going to win the series. They were going to. They were going to do it on the defensive end. Boston does not have enough weapons scoring wise. That if the if the Cavs actually lock in on defense, you've got a great defender in Tristan Thompson. You've got a very good defender in Larry Nance. You've you've got LeBron, who when he wants to play defense is phenomenal. Uh, so you you have the ability, I would think, to shut the Cavs down. And they're still scoring. You know they score 102, but, but, but I mean, Boston's this- defense has gone away.
0: This is not – well, what's interesting about the, the Cavs' sort of defensive side is they haven't done this all season, even since making that trade at the trade deadline, bringing in Nance and Hill and Clark right, and they all haven- those guys. They won games by blowing teams away. And the way they did that was by guys hitting their shots when LeBron was passing to them. Other than Kyle Korver – no one has really pulled their weight offensively other than LeBron in this series. And so they've just sort of flipped the switch and they were, I mean, their defensive players now are better than they were before the trade deadline. Like they've upgraded uh, George Hill's better defender, JR, I mean, is JR, but he is a good defender. Theoretically, he has those tools. Tristan Thompson coming back into the rotation has big, been a big benefit on that side of the ball. Even Kyle Corver, who, Is old and kind of slow. The guy hustles, and it it has been a really sort of. I don't. I don't think I can recall a time where a team has just changed the kind of team that it is at this stage of the season. Just like, oh yeah, we're gonna do the complete opposite thing now in the middle of a series in the conference finals.
1: Yeah, but it, to me, it just got to this is who they are or at least who they should be. This is their only path Not they really have a path, but it's their only path that they get through the Celtics. You're not going to outscore the Rockets. You're not going to outscore Golden State. You have to play a very grimy, dirty, physical yeah. game yeah. And, and hope that these guys don't shoot well and really get in their space. Yeah. And that's how Gold, that's how Houston won last night. They, I mean, I don't know if Gold, everyone's talking about, well, the Warriors played a lot of minutes. They didn't have Iguodala. These guys were playing 40 minutes. It, it just, they, whatever, for whatever reason, they petered out in the fourth quarter and scored 12 points. So I, 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 this is this is Cleveland's path. And uh, the other thing with Boston, too, just one thing I, I want to get in there. Look, the Celtics didn't win a road game against the Bucks. You know, they, that, that series won seven games. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to uh, make sure I point out to you that your opinion about this series changes after every every yes, game about I, about I, who's going to win. Yes, and I, I, I want you to stick to your conviction. So when, when we get to the when we get to the finals, well, the finals is going to be an easy pick because the East team's going to lose. But I want you to make a pick, and I want you I, to stick to
1: it. I, I understand that's the, my dream for you. I, I know that's what you want, and and I, I appreciate that that dream, that vision that you have for me. But I I do live uh, the uh the fine, the i'm i'm living this series in an emotional state <laughs> uh, i um, you know, I, I I've got my amazing viral video out there, courtesy of uh, the amazing Alex as well. 5.7 million views, LeBron versus Michael, and I simply cannot have LeBron winning the championship this year. So I need, and I would love to see him not in the finals. I'm I have I, I, <laughs> I, I I'm not gonna I can't run from that, Jake Polaris. This is this is who I am. I would like to see the Boston Celtics win the series. However, and I and I did I, I, I will and I will own the fact that I that I got duped. Like an idiot, which I, which I always, for the record, I never bet against LeBron James. I always think he's going to win, and I did, and I was the same way with Kobe too. And I was right five times with Kobe, and and I've been, you know, right with LeBron three times, and and wrong, and and wrong <laughs> a, few more, a few more times. Yeah, I mean, listen, I thought they were going to win. The, I thought they were going to be Golden State last year. That's how much respect I have for LeBron James. In this series, how bad they looked in games one and two, I allowed myself to be duped. So I was wrong. I was dead wrong. If I, you, if you told me right now that I had to bet the five dollars that I have left in my pocket for lunch on either team winning the series, I am taking the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you want to, you want to pick in the finals? If it's Golden State, I'll take the Warriors. If it's the
0: Rockets, I'll bet on Cleveland. Well, I mean, we'll get into that later I'm sure I think we when will. we talk about the Rockets, but um i i want to say i paid the cabin six and i'm feeling relatively good about that right now but i think this game five is going to be close really close game three was a blowout in cleveland whatever move on if it's game four what was the margin of victory like nine nine and but it, it was, was like it was close maybe they got it to 7 they they took a big lead in the first quarter and that kind of was enough to sustain them but you know again a few missed dunks by by Celtics players a few you know sloppy plays foul trouble a few little things that I expect kind of can be shifted by just a change of scenery. TD Garden is a really, really difficult place to play. LeBron spoke about this after the game. You know, if you're not wearing green, everybody hates you, and they're going to abuse you. That makes a big difference, and I, don't think, I so. think that's enough to make this a close game going into, you know, crunch time. I think if all goes well, we're going to see our first, you know, actual tight game in the closing minutes in Game, in game 5.
1: Uh, okay, and if it's close within five or less points, you want is that close enough for you? Sure. Uh, the, the Cavs are winning a close game.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I if it's close going to the end, you take LeBron every time. Every, in no. in the last five minutes of the game, he can decide to do all right. I'm going to score every basket for my team, but um, I still think that this is going to be a close one. And if the Celtics get out early, that's the big scary thing for me. If if you if you want the Cavs to win. If the Celtics get out a lead, I just don't see the Cavs pulling them back. I think the Cavs need to be the front runner in this series. They're just uh, when those guys, when those I, supporting guys, just don't get their shots off early, don't develop any rhythm, they just slump and they just seem like they they have nothing.
1: Well, okay, if, if the Celtics are super hot, I would agree with you. But if it, if they run out to a ten point lead, Cleveland can come back. They they figured out the whole Al Horford thing. They're guarding him with Tristan Thompson. They're guarding him with Larry Nance. He's he's gone from being hu- incredibly impactful to being barely impactful at all. That's a, that's a big takeaway right there. Uh, sure, if Jalen Brown gets off, um, okay, but I you know then Le- LeBron's gonna guard Jalen Brown. Good luck with that. Uh, and okay, Jason Tatum's gonna carry him to victory or Terry Rozier. I just don't see it. I I I, I mean I I I. I don't I don't see it at all. I don't I, I don't I don't I don't know how they'll do it. Um, it's happened before it, it. They listen. They beat them twice. I always get amazed that, that Boston. I just I guess I, I guess originally in the series, I felt like I was sleeping on the Celtics, like I just missed something that this team was better offensively than I gave them credit for. And now I'm like seeing it fall back to earth where I actually thought they would be. These guys are going to struggle to score now against my point, as I argue against myself. It, yeah, you're going to struggle to score when you miss dunks, dude. <laughs> Hit, you know they are getting they, at times they're getting very extremely makeable shots that you would think that maybe at home they'll they'll be able to finish at the basket better than they did in Cleveland. I
0: but uh, I'm you know it's possible that it's a little bit of both.
1: Cavs have won four games. At, uh, Cavs have one win in four games at TD Garden this year, but over the past four seasons they played there 14 times. You want to know what the record is? <laughs> 14 and 0. No, well. <laughs> Uh, include the, including they're nine and five. They're okay. nine and five in Boston. That 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 Boston crowd that
0: Cleveland can't handle. They're nine and five in Boston. I, I'm sorry. I don't. They, they can, they, they, they can they, scream all they want. They, LeBron they, they, LeBron loves playing there. He has had some of his great performances yep. in his career there. Yeah. But this is the worst team he's played with since he left Cleveland the first time. This is not a good team. Well, they're a good team. They're not. They're he, like a B-plus team.
1: He's he's missing Kyrie. He's missing one guy. Well, who... he's
0: missing Kyrie, and he's missing Kevin Love playing to the level that we expect of him. He's missing a J.R. Smith with a reliable three-point shot. He's he's missing all sorts of extra stuff. Like, yeah. I think last year's Cavs would have blown this year's Cavs out of the water, and not just because of Kyrie. Well, sure, but I mean, JR's been up and down his entire career. He's, you but he's been pretty reliable, or at least during the Eastern Conference playoffs last year. He was a reliable guy. He was a guy that during a series you could say, yeah, he's going to go off for 20 plus points in a game. At least that we're... is not going to happen now. I mean, where's that coming from? <sighs> I mean, it
1: wouldn't completely stun me if it happened. Tonight. Well, he is JR Smith, so I, we can't rule anything out. But
0: I, I don't see it happening. I think he, his best game now, more like 12 points, which is a big difference. It,
1: Sure, and they. If, but if they get 12 from Jr. tonight, that that will probably be enough. Those four three pointers. If you get four threes out of them, can make the difference in the game. Let's talk about the Warriors and the Rockets. The Series is tied up two games apiece. Um, I want to start with Kevin Durant, who has and, and Steph Curry. You know what the Warriors reminded me of last night? They reminded me of when Kevin Durant used to play with the Oklahoma City Thunder. You go, I go. Steph getting hot and scoring 35 in Game 3 and talking about oh, it's my house, and then he had a big third quarter last night. It just seemed down the stretch that KD was deferring to him, and then even on the last possession, he runs down the court. He's kind of out of control. He hits, and it shouldn't have come down to this. I get that, but then he you know, he gives up the ball uh, to an out-of-position Clay Thompson, who's not set. It's like he forgot who he was, and for me, the Warriors, yes, yeah, Steph is – enormous and spaces the floor and all that but in those moments the ball goes to Kevin Durant and I'm living with him creating his unstoppable shot and even if it's a you know a contested but he's still longer, 20-foot fadeaway. I'd rather have that shot than pretty much anything else the Warriors are going to get in that situation. So I I just thought KD lost himself down the stretch. And the Warriors forgot who they have on their team for a second. And and Steph's getting the ball too much and, and taking ridiculously contested shots down the stretch. That ball's got to be in Durant's hands.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, last year's finals, it seemed, and through that, throughout the playoffs really, it seemed like they had found this ideal balance between right. Steph and KD. It seemed like they had sort of developed exactly the same chemistry that they had the year before when they won seventy three games, and it was this super team oriented style of basketball. And KD and Steph were both great, and they seemed to be helping each other. And it was you know, and it, it was hard to imagine anyone ever beating them basically in, until the team broke up, and. What we've seen this year is a, 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 a regular season defined above all for me by a lack of effort and injuries. And when they're not focusing and they're not taking it seriously in the regular season, um, that means that you, know, you can't really play that style of basketball where everybody's making everybody better when you're not really trying. When you're not locked in and determined to do that sort of stuff, what you're going to end up doing is giving it to one you know, Hall of Fame scorer, let him do his thing, then give it to the other and let him do his thing. Because that's easy, and you don't have to try. You don't have to think about it. You can give KD the ball, he can do his thing, you gives give Steph the ball, he can shoot a three from half court, whatever, and you move on. And that to me is... And so what we're seeing now is a product partly of that, and it's a product partly of the fact that both guys have missed a lot of time this season. They haven't been on the court together that much. And so they're developed these sort of narratives this season. Are the Warriors better with Steph and no KD? Are the Warriors better with KD and no Steph? And now that sort of continued throughout the playoffs with Steph missing the first, first round series. And then coming back, is he healthy? Is he not healthy? He was great in game three. And everyone's like, Steph's back. He's great again. And now KD's thinking well, I mean, am I the guy? Is he the guy? What's going on here? And it's weird. The chemistry just does not feel like what it was. And it is a really fine balance when you've got superstars like that working together. I think they'll work it out. I think they're going to win the series still. But um, yeah, it's a very strange position to be in.
1: Right. I mean, listen, I think they're going to win the series as well. And I do think they'll figure it out. And it's still... It never. I mean, they've they, they've been able to play together because they're both at at the core, you know. Well, mostly unselfish players who want to win and all that. But uh, it, it's it always was odd to me that Steph's like, "Yeah, KD, come here, and I'm going to bequeath being the best player on the team and take a secondary role." You know, most guys in that position. This is my house, all that, you know, which is what he's saying after game three. Like, they, they don't want to give that roll up, e- even if it's in, even if they can be a, a better team. But, but he was willing to do it. So it, it always was struck me as awkward. And the other thing is, too, like with the Warriors, look, they won game three by 41 points. They, they won, they won game, game one. It's like, they, okay, we won game one. We're good. Oh, we lost the game. Okay, fine, we'll come back. Okay, we, we crushed you. We've won 16 straight at home. So then they, they, they don't come with the same focus. And, and they also feel like at any point in the game that they can come back and get you. And now after the game, there is zero panic from the Warriors. Like, none. There, there, there's, you know, Steve Kerr's not coming out with any huge rhetoric and saying, like, you know, we really got to get our heads together. They're just like, yeah, okay, well, now it's a series and we're going to have to go get a game. I mean, they're one win. They're one loss away now from being in an elimination game, but they it's they're not. They're, they don't seem the least bit phased. They know how talented they are, and they're. Ext- and yeah, I think right. they're
0: going to go in and win Game Five. What What was interesting? The one thing that, if if we're looking for things to be concerned about for the Warriors, this is not a sort of loss that we've seen them sustain before. When they when they lose, it's usually they start slow, they become disengaged, and like you said, they basically say. Uh, we'll win the next one because they, they're that confident in their own talent level compared to everybody else. What we saw in this game, which I don't recall ever seeing since KD went there and possibly even before since 2014-15, they blew Houston away at two separate points in the game. They In that first quarter, they I think they scored the first 12 points, right. crushed them. Houston came back, came out of halftime. I think it was at 34 to 17 in the third quarter, take a 10 point lead. Steph Curry's hitting three pointers from everywhere consecutively. These are the sorts of bursts of offense from which teams just don't come back. And for the first time we saw, we saw a team in Houston last night, they responded, they fought back. They held, they held the Warriors 12 points in the fourth quarter and they won the game. And, To me, that adds, again, I still think the Warriors, you know, they're right to be confident. I think they'll win, but it adds an extra element. It adds an extra, you know, mental edge for the Rockets going home and saying, hey, we can take a hit from these guys. We can take a haymaker from these guys, and we can come back. And going into your home stadium in that specific way after that specific kind of win, I don't think – a blowout win for Houston wouldn't have been nearly as valuable to them going into Game Five of this series.
1: You're okay, so you're thinking that it's they prove they can win a close game against this team. Not
0: just a close game, but to come from behind right. after taking one of those Warriors sucker punches, like game Game Three. Uh, sorry, the third quarter of Game Four was Houston's greatest fear. You know, they had a lead, and then the Warriors just decide, hey, we're going to turn it on, and they score 30-plus points in a quarter, blow them away, get a 10-point lead. That is the sort of run that historically for this Warriors team results in a win. When they do that, they win games, and there's almost no exceptions to that. I think I was reading somewhere today that when the Warriors have outscored a team by 15 points or something in the third quarter, they've won every single game. Right.
1: Well, and they they normally – I, I mean, I I don't know if they wrote that same article. I mean, how many times have they score 12 points in the fourth quarter? They get outscored 25 to 12 in the fourth. That's got to be the only time it's happened all year. I mean, unless it was already a blowout and they just and they were resting yeah. seven guys. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Uh, but you know, Houston to me, like as far as sustaining it, they did show that they can play that their defense is better. They were able to contest a lot of shots, and so. Okay, Gold State's going to have to hit some tough shots. Now, I think they will, but they were. They're, they're, I mean, even, you know, Steph's going at James Harden, and and Harden's not a good defender, but he's making it. He played well on he's, 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 he's he a him the He's making them work at bare minimum. The guy's earning his points. Um, so I, I give Harden a lot of credit. Now, he drives me nuts, James Harden. <laughs> like, his his attitude his uh, i mean if i was if i was a silent reporter i'd never talk to the guy he's just like he just he's has such disdain for like any media anything which i know doesn't matter but it's like i do wonder like as far as I I question his leadership and like I just think he's just sort of in this James Harden world where it's like okay now now you're in this you have it's a best of 3 series you've got two home games which is another reason why Chris Paul on the court is huge for them but I also think just the the leadership and the professionalism that that guy brings is enormous for the Rockets so where do they go from here how are they going to how are they going to handle whatever adversity is going to come in, hang in there in a game and do this again two more times. I mean, it'd be an, it would be, despite winning 65 games, it would be an upset that literally no one saw coming. Or five people. would. Be, I don't know how many people picked the Rockets, but it's, it's, it's probably 5% at best. Like I this
0: think would be lo- incredible. I think it would. It would absolutely be incredible. I think a lot of people were predicting a close series. I said at the beginning Warriors in six, and then after game one, I was like, bleep warriors in four (laughs) um so yeah we'll see but you know again like now that the rockets have come from behind like that i think that just one the warriors benefit you know like a lot of great teams they benefit from this thing that when they get a big lead the other team is just basically gives up they think to themselves there's no way we can come back against these guys so when they build up a sort of you know 10 15 whatever point lead that they just automatically win because their superiority, just that aura of dominance, kind of takes over. And so for the war, the Rockets to have overcome that, that that to me makes them a lot more dangerous. Because when the Warriors inevitably go on their good, you know, five minutes of offense where they build up a lead, if they do that in Game Five, the Rockets are just not going to stop. They're going to say, "Hey, we've done this before. We can come back again." If Andre Iguodala is back for game five, that's a huge difference maker for sure. It does add depth. He's just a – you know, he is a piece that when he's on the floor with their big four, they're a much better team. So – and the drop-off after him on their bench and Sean Livingston is now more severe than it's been in the past. But
1: Iguodala being out is huge, and it's also, as the series extends, if you're dreaming, uh, you know, Golden State having trouble in the finals – Iggy being pushed to be back on the court earlier than he wants to be and, and maybe putting himself in a position where that knee actually becomes a real problem, that's – you know, he's a big guy. I'd,
0: I'd force him back now before the final. I think he, they need him more now than they do in the finals. The Houston are better than both the Eastern Conference teams, in my opinion. And this is a situation, you know, three-game series. You need to make sure you win this and, and worry about the rest of it later. Obviously, if he's not healthy, don't play him. But if he's borderline and you're not sure – I would not rest him now to save him for the finals. No, of
1: course. I'm not I'm not saying that he shouldn't play, but I'm just saying that if he's borderline and he's playing and he's playing a lot, maybe more minutes than he because the series is close and then the series gets dragged out, Maybe you know it's at least six. If it goes to seven games, that's a, that's a big edge for whoever plays Golden State going forward. Because in, in that guy has been extremely valuable over time. So it's just like one little okay. You the the one thing that you had to worry about for, uh, with the Warriors losing is that they would get they would be injured and somehow throughout the playoffs they wouldn't get through. Steph's made it so far, but Clay actually went out in Game Four for a little bit. Iggy's out, so. They're 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 hanging here. It's they're probably going to be okay, but it, it's 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 a little bit of a scary situation from from that standpoint for Golden State. All right, uh, we can wrap it up here. The next time we talk will be a week from today, next Wednesday. That's when on the mark the podcast is. Please subscribe on iTunes. We really appreciate it. You can rate, give a comment, follow me on Twitter at the Carm Jake. What's your Twitter at Jake Valerius? Yes. W-A-L-E-R-I-U-S. Good, for good those spelling. For those who have trouble spelling, hilarious. I'm amazed that I got it right. Uh, we'll, we will be through the conference finals by next Wednesday. Is that right? Yeah,
0: finals. Well, I think the earliest the finals can start is on Wednesday. So we may be looking forward to game one. We're, look, we're going to be looking forward
1: to game Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Yes, we'll be there. All right.
0: So I'm going to say that the Cavs won the series
1: in six and, uh, and, the, and the Warriors did the same. Are, you, are we in agreement? Uh,
0: yes. Those are also both my predictions before the series yeah, yeah, started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, I haven't changed my mind once, except uh, for a little bit there when I thought the Warriors were going to sweep the Rockets.
1: I, 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 if we go back through the books, I told you that the Celtics would beat the Sixers in the series. I was correct. You had Philadelphia. You know, if I I also told you that Indiana would be uh, um, the toughest competition for the, for the Cavs in the East. I uh, think took him to seven. If the six happens, I will be proven correct on that one as well. There are many instances where I was incredibly on point. Yes. However, I did. But get-
0: it does help to be right when you change your mind after every game. It does increase your your batting your batting average.
1: Let's not let's get into the details of when I, <laughs> I, I made these exact predictions. I'm not exactly sure when I did them myself. All right, thank you for listening, and uh, we, we we very very much appreciate it. Talking NBA on the mark with you every Wednesday. Uh, as we talk each Wednesday and the podcast coming out. Thank you for subscribing, rating. We appreciate your support.
0: (sighs) Ah.